0: Please And let's turn to 2 Timothy 2.15, we'll use that verse first of all. And I'd like you to get a piece of paper out or something you can mark tonight and uh, underscore your Bible. Uh, Tonight, Wednesday night is a Bible study night, how to study the Bible. We introduced it last week with a love for the Bible. And tonight is literally how to study the Bible. I'd like you to read with me as we begin 2 Timothy Chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Ready? Begin. Study to show thyself. And then if I go over to chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Ladies, would you read verse 15 for us, please? 3.15. So study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ladies, verse 15, chapter 3. Ready? Begin. And that. Men, will you read 16 and 17? Ready? Begin. All Scripture... Perfect deals with mature and complete. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you're marking your notes where we're reading tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And ushers, once you're back in your place, in a few moments I'm going to have you hand something out to the ushers. Tonight we are going to learn how to study chapter 1 of, or using this, uh, to look at how to study the Bible I'm looking forward to taking you back in a method that I learned when I was in high school and I practiced it in high school and college very diligently. I don't use that method really per se, but I do because it began me on a path what caused me to search literally the scriptures daily. And I see something every day I've not seen before. My father-in-law pastored the same church for 57 years. I know that I could never be what he was. He's such a great Bible scholar, great Bible student. He sat at the feet of Dr. Wiest at the old Moody Bible College in the 50s, early 50s, the great Greek scholar. My father-in-law would study every morning, 4 o'clock to about noon, both in the King James English, and he'd study out of the Hebrew Bible and also uh, the Greek Bible, and very brilliant man very powerful preacher, knew the scriptures, outlined the scriptures. I could recall when he'd come to visit here, I'd say, let me give you a quiz. I would read something from Ezra chapter 2. I said, where's that found? He said, that is the book of Ezra. And he'd think, he goes, that has to be, let's see, well, that has to be chapter 2. I could never stump him. It was an amazing thing, the scripture that he knows. And uh, I, 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 I want us to know the word of God that's able to make us wise. We're going to use chapter 1, and we'll go through this chapter repeatedly tonight in a program that I learned as a high school student. Let's read chapter 1 together. Let's just, It's only 10 verses. Let's stay together, please. Ready, begin. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church. like me, what did we just read? Most of us could not think back to what we read. And I'm not please, I'm not looking down on anyone. I'm probably worse than you are about it. But we have a tendency to read and not comprehend. We had a student in the college years ago and uh, he came in and uh, he sat down with one of the professors and we found out that he had no reading comprehension skills. The professor said, Read to me John three sixteen. He read it and he said to him, "Now explain what you read." And he just looked with a blank stare. Grew up in a Christian home, good Christian church, and just looked blank. He said, "I I I I read for God so love the world, but he had no idea how to put it together. He was a smart man. Later uh, went on to great things. Uh, very smart man, but he did not learn." in elementary school, reading comprehension. Many people read and they do not comprehend what they're reading. Tonight I want to give us some tools. I have uh, before me here a carpenter. Let me use his tool bag, Brother John Morris, who works here. Uh, These are for a carpenter. Many of you work with carpenter tools, and you put this around your waist, And you hook everything to it. You have your hammer and you have your uh, tape measures and various things. And you have goggles here. Because a carpenter carpenter needs tools. I have found for me, I depend upon tools. I did not have these tools in my office today. I brought them over here yesterday, yesterday afternoon. I was so frustrated early in the morning because I didn't have my tools with me. It'd be like you carpenters showing up on the job site. I had something that needed to be repaired at my house last week, and the fellow showed up, and he said to me, "Um, do you have a ladder? I said, I do. He goes, I don't have one with me. A carpenter. A man was going to fix something for me. He went up in the attic and figured out what was wrong, And he said, I'll be back tomorrow. The next day he came back and he said, "Um," and he looked at me, I knew he was going to ask me something. He said, do you have a tape measure? I said, I do. He said, "Um," I said, if you need a tape measure, you're going to need a number, and so you probably need some paper and a pen or pencil, right? He goes, yeah, if you got that too, that'd be good. I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe he did not come with his tools. Every day of my life, and this, this Strong's Concordance, you could tell I use this, it's all ripped apart here. This is a Strong's Concordance. They're not very expensive. Most of you have one. If you don't, you need to one day buy one in the bookstore. It has every word in the Bible. And so if I want to work, look up the word establish, I go here, and it shows me a number If it's New Testament it's going to go to the Greek if it's Old Testament it's going to go to the Hebrew and it will give me a definition of that word how it's used right there Uh, the the, the word how that God tempts us well what does that mean that God puts us in sin absolutely not the word tempt is to try and this book I use it every day you won't need probably I mean you, you might have this around the house. But most of you, because you're computer literate and you use the computer, you can get this book online and just use your Strong's Concordance online. It'd be much faster than I am. But I'm accustomed, as Paul said, send, he's in jail, send the books. I have the most wonderful library. I have a very good library for a pastor. And I've just worked at it through all these years. And I love using my books. All the walls are lined from floor to ceiling with books. This one I use every day. I use something that somebody here in this church bought me this about, I guess, 20 years ago. It's so archaic to what you, I just keep replacing batteries and it's a little Franklin. And I turn the thing on and I can put any word in here and it looks up the Bible verse for me and uh, I like this to look at all that same word, but I use it all the time. Sometimes I'll forget, okay, I know that verse. It says this and I can't just put it on, I put it in here. I use it every day. It just sits here on the left side of my desk. And so I use my Franklin. And then my mother and dad bought me this. The cover is off of it now. This is a Vines expository dictionary. I look words up every day. Every day of my life, I look words up in in this Vines expository dictionary. It's falling apart, and I've got pages that are are loose, and here's pages, and here's pages. and, And so if I want the word just or justification or the word lack, And uh, are the word judgment seat, are the words accepted, are to fulfill? I just look it up here. Now, let's get into something. I use this book every day of my life. And it's called a Webster's Dictionary. And I use Webster's now, and I never carry a phone to service, but there's a reason why. I carried one tonight for a reason, but I'm glad I have it here, and I can use it right now to show you. I have a a dictionary on here. Now, you're talking about a yuppie guy right here. I know how to use the dictionary on my phone. It also has a Bible app. I don't know how to use it. I've tried. I've tried in hotels when I'm traveling. It drives me crazy. I can't find anything, but I can use the dictionary. I promise you, Every single day, I use the dictionary. Let me see if I have a word, the last couple words I've looked up here. So I go right there, it says dictionary, and um, here it is, it's coming up. Now, will it show me all the words I've been looking up? Yes, it does. I was looking, I needed the word symbolic today. And and so I looked at impervious. I needed that word today, anxiously. And I I, I don't know, I can never say the man's name Padarowski. you know the great pianist I'm still saying it wrong and so I looked it up here said and then it's got this thing called pronounce did you know phones do this you probably did not know that you're coming to church and I'm not going to pay charge you for this here but, but listen to this I wonder if it will it, there it says pronounce let's see if and I say Padarowski, but that's not how you say it let's see where's the microphone down here or up here at the bottom, bottom. Okay, listen to this. Paderewski. Wow, that is great. Try, try, it one more time. I'll back it up. Here we go. Paderewski. Paderewski. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I, I was going to try to learn that, but I can't learn it. I, 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 you, 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 you have all these tools in computer. I, I use every day. I didn't have this book in my office today. It drove me crazy. It's my hymn book. And and I have a spiral bound because I break them all down. And I just, I'll be in my prayer time, and I'll start singing a song. And I need to, and I just use it all day. I'll be studying for a message. I always, for some reason, I always use a hymn book. I just always do. Even it has nothing to do with the Bible study. I I just use the hymn book. I use these pens. I got a whole, a um, second drawer, Uh, a drawer. Container. I I use that little ruler right there all the time. I use this one because this yellow you can underline and it doesn't bleed through. I use that green anytime it says scripture or anything that says silver, gold, or anything that deals with money or buyer or seller in the Bible. Oh, market. I I use this red. Everything great is underlined in great and much of the scripture. I use a 207 BIC. And I use a yellow one and a green one. I just use them all the time. Now, you say, why? To study the Bible. You're going to have to get some tools. You're going to have to find a place. I have a place at home where I study. I have a place in my office where I study. You're just going to have to have a place. And you're going to have to get your tools like the carpenter gets the tools or like the geek has 14 pins and a screwdriver and a flashlight. They don't do that anymore, do they? But remember back when computers were coming out. I I, I learned something, and I brought you this file. And by the way, I have this for every place I study. I use these all day long. You won't do it like I do it. You'll probably just use your computer. And if I was like you, I would too, if I had that knowledge. But I'm not going to learn. This has been all my life I've been... Using stuff like this, and I'm not going to change now. And it's not that I'm more sound in the faith than you. I learned something about studying the Bible, and I learned it here with my pastor's wife and my pastor. This is at Idaho Camp, 1966. This is 1967, and then 19, my last year, 69, uh, when I went right before I went left for college. They, my pastor's wife designed a way how to study chapter 1. And I don't use these words so much anymore, but I use its foundation in my heart every day. I I want the ushers to please come, and I want the ushers to please give each of you one of these. And we're going to look at chapter 1 together in our class tonight. And, um, Brother Highterman, if you'll just pass these out to the fellas and uh, give each guy guy about 20 or 25, and they'll get them. This is what my pastor's wife, you know, the day I had her funeral and uh, conducted the funeral was such a hard day because I thought of all the things that she invested in my life. And one of the greatest things, Brother Steve, was she taught me how to love the Bible. They had a thing in high school, and I told you before how she would collect our notebooks we had the spiral notebooks, and every Sunday morning we'd pass them in. She'd grade them Sunday afternoon, pass them back. She expected us every day to read and pray for one hour in high school. Brother David, I could never do it. I couldn't get an hour in. I tried, and I got a good five minutes in. Sometimes I could get 10. Sometimes I get, you know, really on a good roll, I'd get 20. I could never get an hour in. But what I found out, Ed, you know what I found out? I got that habit going in high school. And then I got it a little bit more in college. I don't think an hour, but I do think a good 30, 40, 45, 50 minutes, and once in a while an hour. And you know, my whole life now is Acts 6-4, that a preacher is to give himself to the Word of God in prayer. I study all the time. Perhaps at night if I don't sleep well, I'll get up and study. And quite frankly, he said, poor guy, doesn't sleep. it's refreshing. It encourages me. It's sort of like Wednesdays when people feel sorry for me to go to all these chapels. I, tell you, I could hardly wait through the night. I kept waking up thinking, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Elementary kids, junior high, high school, college, the class today to teach. It's just such, it, it, the word of God doesn't wear you out. It motivates you. Serving God doesn't wear you out. It, it gives me energy. It gives me excitement. Well, I'm getting old now. Someone says I gotta slow down. Well, go start serve God. It'll fire you up. A bus route will fire you up. Oh, yeah, it'll wear you out. But I mean, it'll fire you up. Take taking a Sunday school class. My pastor's wife gave us this little, this little outline here. And so here's how she taught us. She made us go back over and back over and back over. You've done step one, what she told us to do. She said, just read your passage out loud she determined and our pastor that you would read about 8 10 12 14 verses a day that's all you read now you can read other things but as far as studying the Bible you take a 8 verses 10 verses you break it down wherever you feel like you ought to break it down and here because there's only 10 we took chapter 1 you could do it another day chapter 2 everybody ought to be studying the Bible Because we read, study to show thyself approved unto God. Get the stamp of approval. Get that God says you did the right thing. Study. Study the word of God. And tonight, we've read it through. Now, we go back, and you need to summarize with me. I've already summarized it. I know I looked at this very in depth. What what is chapter 1 dealing with? Well, if you have a Schofield reference Bible, he sort of gives you an idea. He thinks it's the model church. Chapter 2 is the model servant. But it's very obvious in chapter 1, he's dealing with church members. And he's talking about these church members. It's, we think, the earliest letter of Paul. And he talks about these people. He said, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all. And so in order to come back and summarize it, you're going to have to go read it again. We won't do that for the sake of time. When you read it again, you're going to find it's a testimony of great Christians. Christians who, verse 6, became followers. Christians who had affliction. Christians who were, verse 7, examples. Christians who sounded out the word of God. Christians who had turned, verse 9, from idols to God. Christians who are waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus. I think, I think the church at Thessalonica was pretty good people. He wasn't writing to them of snakes and vipers. He wasn't writing to them as 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, verse one, chapter 3, verse 1. I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but unto carnal. You're babes in Christ. He said, I can't speak to the church at Corinth as your spiritual people. You're not. You're not good Christians. But this church was good Christians. You might want to just put down there, as to summarize chapter 1, it's, a, it's really a testimony of good Christians, is there a personal truth? Something that, so you go back and read it. Is there a, you read 10 more verses again. Is there something that God is speaking to me about as I read these 10 verses? Now, I know this is not normal, the one I'm gonna ask right now. I, I have something to tell you. I could, God spoke to me specifically something that I want in my life. Did, was you read that, did you see anything? For you, if you did, you could raise your hand. And I'll call on you, and it's okay. I know it's unusual on this Wednesday night, but we want to study the Word of God. Is there a personal truth that you see that sort of summarizes how God is speaking to you? You know, we sing, Brother, Brother Galvan, we sing, He still speaks. I know. His. Does He speak to you from the Word of God? He does. You know what? how He spoke to me? And I think you'll see it as we get into this for these moments before we're dismissed. I, I wrote myself this note Jack, I want to bear the testimony like these great Christians in chapter one at Thessalonica. I want to be like them. I want to be that when someone prays, they give thanks, verse two, always for you, making mention of you, all your prayers. I want people to say, Jack, we remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience, that is you don't quit, you endure, and your hope. There's four things right there. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be a Christian that has a work and labor and love and patience and hope and faith. I want those ingredients in my life. Sometimes, as you write something like that, now you may just pause and say, "Lord, I'm reading this. This is speaking to me." You know really what prayer is not. I pray for VJ. You know what a bad guy he is. When when all your prayers about all the other people and their issues, you're not following the pattern of prayer. By the way. Well, see, it Sunday morning. God, someone asked me two weeks ago, how, what is your pattern for prayer? I said immediately, John 17. Not our Father which art in heaven, uh, but the true, what we call, the, what I call God's prayer, Jesus' prayer, when he taught his disciples how to pray. And he didn't pray for others first, he prayed for himself. Uh, you know, as I, don't, don't you get something from the word of God and just pause and say, Lord, you help me right there. That's what I need. I want you to see this, but I will slow down here. Is there example? Is there an example for us to follow? Well, how do we find an example? Well, we have to go back and read it. Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus, three men, under the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be to you. Verse 2, we give thanks. Stop me, just yell out. I won't call on you, but uh, stop me. Is there an example? You may not find an example in every verse. You probably won't. Sometimes you won't find it in the passage. But I guess I could say for me, there's an example in verse 3. Wouldn't you think that's an example? Let's read verse 3 together. See if you think this is an example. Ready? Begin. Remembering without... Dad, Dad, don't you want that example for your children? Don't don't you want to have a work of faith, a labor of love, faith and love and patience? What do we say patience is? It's endurance, endurance under pressure. I wonder how many today, you don't need to raise your hand. I wonder in your business life, how many of you had pressure today? i guarantee it, every one of you that work in the Silicon Valley had pressure today. And how we handle pressure is reflection on the outside of what God is doing on the inside. And may I say today that as we look at this, that your faith, your love, your patience, your endurance, your hope, those are powerful statements. That's an example I want to leave for a legacy for those that come behind me. I find an example of verse 6. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord. I've written myself a note. I need to be a follower. I don't need to simply be a leader. We pray, help me to be a good leader. Well, maybe we want to start with God. Let me be a good follower. And may I look for opportunities today where not I can lead, but where I can follow. Where I cannot be in charge, but I can follow someone who is in charge. All of us need that. And here, Paul said, you became followers of us. That's a good example. You know, Brother Van Dyke, I think in the New Testament local church, and we're so blessed here, I don't think we understand this happens. In a lot of churches, there's nothing but division and fighting, feuding. People are upset with one another. Now, those things ought not to be. That's not Christ-like. When we become a follower of Paul who's a follower of God and he draws us to Christ more like the master I would ever be. I tell you here's a good example. How about verse number seven? He uses the word so that ye were examples are examples to all that believe. I look down here at these precious young people came in here saw them sitting here I mean, they've been in school all day. They've been on the bus, bus routes visiting today, door, door to door, led some folks to Christ. What a good example for the world to see. Teenagers that love God. I, I think tonight, as our freshmen are over here on both sides in the college, they're looking, they see young people. Perfect? No. Good kids? Yes. They're a good example. Uh, you kids that are new in the school, not all of you, but what a good example they are to those kids and vice versa. Senior saints and, and Christians here, what a good example that God's house is filled and all the folks here in the other buildings and the other property. That's a good example. Look what the Bible says. Here, here's a, another example. How about verse number seven, verse eight? And from you sounded out the word of the Lord. You know what I find here? I, I wrote down in my Bible as I studied this, verse 6 suffering saints. Verse 7, I want the word examples. That's why I looked it up in my dictionary. It's symbolic examples. Someone that you can, there's a symbol for me to follow. A suffering saint, a symbolic saint, a soul winning saint. Why? Verse 8 from you sounded out the word of the Lord. A separated saint. Look at verse 9. And have turned from God unto to idol, from idols to serve the living. And a second coming saint. Verse number 10. Shall we read it together? Ready? Begin. And to wait for his son from heaven. Jesus the You know what's an amazing thing as you look at this book, these five chapters, at the end of every chapter, he's always dealing with the second coming. You're suffering, people. You're suffering, he says. But he is coming again. He is coming again. I don't see in my do you does. Anybody see the word sin? Anything that maybe not the word, but you just I don't see a sin mentioned in these ten verses. Am I looking past something? Maybe I am. Does anybody see a sin that's mentioned? Because sometimes in the text you'll read, you'll find that God says this is a sin. Brother, Brother Bill, what do you see? What's that? Oh, okay, it was a sin. Their, their past life was sin. Is that verse number uh, nine? Verse number verse number nine? Yes. That in the past you were idol worshippers. Well, that's sin. Is there anything else that's mentioned as a sin? Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Sometimes if you do this, I, I look at my old camp books. Some of them had blank be, because I couldn't find a sin. I couldn't find something else. Uh, the next word is the word promise. Is a command? Is there a command? I see one in verse 10. Do you see a command in verse 10? What do you see the command in verse 10? To do what? Wait. How many of you are good at waiting on everything? You're just a good waiter. You wait. You love to wait. Let me prove, sir, that you're wrong. Now, nobody raised their hand, but let me just prove that you're wrong. Scenario. It's 30 minutes before the church service and you want to be here. Where is every man, that's a good red-blooded American man, where is every man 30 minutes before and where, what, it, what is he doing? What is, where is he at? He is waiting in the car and there is a brave man, Brother Poussin. You'll pay for that right there and what, what do you want to do? But men, we don't do this. What do you want to do? <laughs> What do you want to do? Honk the horn. And a real man would honk the horn. I've never honked it. But, um, but a real man would do that. Are there any men foolish enough to say, I honk the horn? Smart men, smart men. And what's the ladies doing? What, literally, seriously, what in the world are you ladies doing? Painting. I don't know what you're doing—painting Pain, and plucking and all the other stuffs. I, I mean, come on! You you had get that done another time. I'm ready to go. And then she waltzes out and says, "You know, we're a little early. Church starts like in seven minutes. Yeah, we're four minutes away. We'll be on time. And thank God, I just I just go to church now. But nonetheless." <laughs> You know, man, you know what you're doing? You're waiting. And I tell you what, oh, I long to see him. Look upon his face. I'm waiting for his coming. My second prayer every day is, Lord, my second prayer, normally before I get out of bed, I may die today. That's, if this is my day, I want to be ready. for God. You may come and get us today. I want to be so ready. I want to be right. Because I've been waiting now. I talked to my father so many years ago. I said, Dad, you and mother, and my mother was there, you've been waiting so long for the Lord. Doesn't it seem like, did you ever hear this when you were a child? And my mother was there, and she said, Son, your grandfather that you never saw was a lay German preacher. He worked in the factories and worked on the farm and he preached on Sunday. She said, I can hear my father in German preaching in the Midwest in those German churches saying, I believe he's coming again. I believe he's coming again. I want to say that grandfather died in the late 30s and he was preaching already about Jesus, born in 1887. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And she said, you know, he believed it. He said, times are waxing worse and worse. And then we have said it. And in your lifetime, it's going to get even worse and worse. But she goes, he's coming again, son. Yeah. That's that, is, that tonight is a promise. And then is there another promise there? Well, you might find several for the sake of time. Is there a thanksgiving? Do you find I see one right here. Do you find a thanksgiving? you find something to be thankful for? Does anybody see something thankful? How about a verse? Just shout it out. Verse two, verse two. Verse two. you're exactly right. Let's read it together, shall we? We give thanks, God, for you all. And then here's a thanksgiving who they were, verse three. And then all those letter S's, who, what these people, they suffered, they were soul winners, they were separated. You know tonight, when it says "study to make," uh, study to show thyself approved. Well, that word "study" deals. If you'll look it up here in the Strong's or Vines, it means just simply study, make effort. Study, make effort. Study, make effort to study. When it says study, be diligent about it. Make effort. Be diligent. Uh, When it says study, it means to work at it, labor at it. You people are not ignorant. You're smart, intelligent people. You can know this Bible right here. You can. You, You can know this book. This book comes alive to me. Poor Brother Luke Flood, I... I give him all the time. I gave him, I read yesterday and today the book of Ezekiel. And it just, man, I saw, and maybe it's because I'm using a new Bible, I just saw so many phrases and words that I've underlined and underscored. And I gave him about maybe eight or ten of them. And I said, find out how many times. he was just put it in his computer, and it just takes him a moment. I, I always count them up in my Strong's, and then I write it there. I said, find out how many times it says, thus saith the Lord. You know what I was amazed at? How many times, and the Lord spoke unto Ezekiel, saying. And I found several words. I said, would you find out how many times this shows up in the book of Ezekiel? I don't know if I ever use it, but I know when he gives it back to me, and I said, no hurry. I'm going to go to Ezekiel, page one of Ezekiel, chapter one. I'm going to put all those words there. I studied with the boys in my college class the last two years, word by word, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. We found out how many times this word occurs and this word occurs, and you know what happens? You begin to get familiar with those texts, and it comes alive to you. I was so amazed at the word great. I don't have my other Bible. I could turn right to it. But I think I want to say it 1,700 times. But especially as you get to chapter 20, 21, and 22 of Revelation, everything's great. A great wall, a uh, a great white throne. Everything's great, 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 great. Now, I've never preached a message on, I don't think, great. But I have it all marked. And it just comes alive to me. I've circled all the hearts because it comes alive to me. Little phrases that keep showing up in this book. Over This writer uses this phrase over and over. I'm going to just try to challenge you. Mrs. Trever has her place at home. I've never looked at her prayer journal, but it's there. I've never opened it up. I'm not going to do that. But she has her prayer journal there, and she has her markers, and she has a Bible there, and she studies the Bible there. I have my place at home, and I have my place in my study. The church in 1981 or 82, I think it was 82, we were building the building. You bought me a desk. Quite frankly, if I was a young man, I'd probably get a different desk. It's a big old oak desk. That was really popular. And I have that oak desk and a big oak credenza behind it. Brother David, I said years ago, several years ago, I said, you know, I'd like to have something built to put my Bibles and my Strongs and all my books, sort of like a music stand, but on my desk, and it matches exactly the same color. And underneath that, so I have all my books laid up here, and underneath it, it's a light. A a, a big fluorescent light goes the length of the desk. And I can put more books there. And I can pull out this this. Not a drawer, but above the drawer, there's a uh, something to pull out. I put things there, and one on this side. And if I go to the other side, one in the middle I pull out, and I lay everything out. I like to start with always studying the text for myself. Just study it. Just read it. And then I like to bring down my books that explain further detail what God has been speaking to me. Oh, I tell you, it opens up my eyes. I have more time than you have. This is my job. My job is to study the Bible. I have more time than these kids do. They're working jobs. They're on bus routes. They're on Sunday school classes. They're going to college full time. I'm not doing that. I'm studying the Bible. I have more time to study the Bible than these kids down here. So I'm not suggesting that you get every. I'm just suggesting you start uh, like I did with these notebooks. And it's very obvious as you read my notes and see my pictures. There's a picture I drew. My mind would wander. I wasn't very good at it. But Brother Mark, you know what was happening? I was developing a habit. Just getting a habit. And that habit has grown away from these words, but I look for words all the time